It's the Face of Chicago Business Podcast, introducing you to the stories behind the faces, focused on fixing today's problems with thoughtful leadership and purposeful living. Sit down with us as we get to know the individuals who make our city second to none. How you guys doing? I'm Tony Arce, and this is the Face of Chicago Business Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Alexandra Sosa, the Executive Director of FLAP, the Farm Worker and Landscaper Advocacy Project. Alexandra, thank you for being here. Thank you so much for coming for having me today. It's our absolute pleasure. I'm so excited to not only uh, share your personal story, but also the incredible work that you're doing with FLAP and just how many people you, you, you've been helping over the last uh, 20 plus years. It's, it's really incredible work. So, so thank you. And, you know, let's just get into it. Where are you from originally? Yeah. Thank you for having me here. It's a real pleasure and honor. Likewise, likewise. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I'm originally from Medellin, Colombia. Uh, it's the second largest city in Colombia. Wow. And I mean, that uh, time where obviously you think of those things, right? You think of the time frames of like Pablo Escobar and some of that, you know, th- were you there for those times? Did you experience some of those things, uh, you know, that we've come to know through Netflix and whatever else? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, when I mentioned that I'm from Colombia, of course, everybody um, bring up Pablo Escobar. Because, right, right. Uh, Colombia is very well known, unfortunately, by the, the drug cartel. Right. But Colombia is also about beautiful women and no, flowers. Of course, and, of course. Of course. <laughs> and nice um, gold and emeralds and stones. And uh, yes, um, and I graduated from law school from the Universidad de Medellín, the Medellin University School of Law. And at that time, when Pablo Escobar was around, I was working with the Attorney General Office. And wow. Unfortunately, I have to deal with that, not only uh, me, but also my family. My mother uh, was a prosecutor at that time, and my dad was an attorney also, so it's, 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 it was hard, difficult times. And unfortunately, in Colombia, when Pablo Escobar was there, um, I do not have too many um, guys my age because they, they were killed in wow. Colombia at that time. Like, Pablo Escobar and his people will go to a, to a bar, for example, on a Friday night, and will ask the woman to be in one side and the guys in another side and then kill all the guys. Get out of here. So wow. it was insane. Or just put a bomb in an airplane right. and it was it was very difficult time. My goodness. I mean not only as as a people did you have to deal with that, but it seems like your family was on the front lines of, of combating that. Unfortunately right? I yeah, they have to move to Spain and Wow. Be refugees in Spain. Really? And, so, so that yeah. was the, the the catalyst for moving out of Colombia? No, actually, I I I moved from Colombia to Spain first, okay, and then from Spain here because of love. Um, my <laughs> husband was uh, my ex-husband <laughs> was living here in Chicago and studying English here. So we get married in Colombia, and then he said, well, "You want to join me? You have to go to Chicago." And, you know, uh, I fall in love and I moved to <laughs> Chicago. And then he left. He went to Canada and I'm still here after 20 years and a half. <laughs> well, obviously something kept you here, right? So it was meant to be uh, to come to Chicago. But tell me about what that was like in terms of a culture shock. I mean, you know, despite the fact that you moved for love at the time, obviously you fell in love with the city, I'm assuming, a little bit, right? <laughs> yes, yes. I'm totally in love, not only with the city, but uh, with the state of Illinois. Yeah, true. That is um, immigrants welcoming a state. 
but also it, the organization will flap. And one of the things that you were telling me, and I want to get into flap a little more, um, I want to get to know you a little bit first, right? But one of the things you were seeing even from the, the migrant workers and, and their experience of going to different states, that Illinois is a very welcoming state for that, right? Yes, it's more welcoming than other states. Right, uh, right. Illinois is more open to the Which is refreshing to hear, I mean, right, you know, living here. It doesn't happen in other states where right. they are more conservative, more close. There are no other resources that we have here in Illinois, or at least in, in Cook County and uh, northern Illinois. Yeah. But, so, but going back to, to, to your question, yeah. uh, when I landed to Chicago, it was December 8, 2020. Oh. I'm sorry, December <laughs> 8, 2000. Right, right. And the amount of snow that I saw in the city when I land, it was incredible. I was like, oh, my God, what I sang for. <laughs> but then it was my husband over there waiting for me. And then I was like, well, okay. Love has a price, man. <laughs> that was completely freezing, and it's one of the more cold winters we had in the last 20 years. Yeah, 2000. I, I, I'll be honest, I wasn't here in 2004, but I do, I do remember hearing about it. I was, uh, I was, I think, I was already in um, in Japan at that point. So, oh, yeah. wow! wow. <laughs> you no, know, interesting, right? Interesting times. But you know, in in terms of that now. When you moved here, was the idea that you already had a job, or was this something that, as far as you know, being a part of Flap, that was, you know, that you didn't know before you arrived to Chicago? No, I didn't know about that. Um, my dad was an attorney who always was fighting for workers' rights, oh, and specifically for farm workers. Um, back in Colombia. Back in Colombia, and I, I grew up in a coffee farm in in a very small town near to Medellin. It's called Tamesis. And uh, my dad was always fighting and representing, uh, as an attorney, fighting and representing farm workers. So I grew up thinking that I wanted to go to law school, be an attorney, and one day I wanted to continue what my dad was doing. That's amazing. Uh, when I got married, um, I got offers to go to Spain and work with the Mexican embassy in Spain. So I moved to Spain, interesting history, because my husband moved to Chicago, was in Chicago, but I moved to Spain, and we just got married. Oh, interesting. <laughs> he wasn't very happy about it. So this um, is like, like, what, probably 2001 at the latest? It, it was in 2000. Oh, it was still, like right away? August, no, it was in August 2000. Oh, I see, I see, we, I see. I see we I got see. married in Colombia, and then he, was, he came here to Chicago gotcha. because he was studying here in Chicago. Right. And then I went to Spain. Um, and then when I was in Spain, he said, uh, well, we got married. Are we going to be together or we are going to have a distant marriage? Right, right. So um, I was working in, in Spain with the uh, Mexican embassy also defending immigrant workers in wow. Spain and also fighting for workers' rights. So when I moved to Chicago, I moved with the idea to maybe do in Chicago, here in the United States, what I couldn't do in, in Colombia, because if I do what I'm doing now, right, workers' rights, they will kill me. I mean, they don't believe in, in wow. those rights in Colombia. So I was kind of looking, many people moved to the United States looking for the American dream. And my American dream was to be able to do something that I enjoyed, to be able to fight for human rights. Absolutely. Now, when you say that, you know, obviously that's 
I, I'm, I'm guessing that the whole being killed thing had something to do with Pablo Escobar and, and, and that, you know. My, my dad was killed in 1992. Oh, my goodness. Um, oh, I'm so in, sorry. in the coffee farm where, where, where I grew up. Because um, of his work. Um, it's, it's, it's a long history, but um, it was my work that was related to the history with Pablo Escobar and my mother, who was a prosecutor. My dad was uh, an attorney, litigating attorney, and he was also involved in, in politics in Colombia. It just seemed like it was a very difficult time for everybody. It was a very tough time for my generation. Yeah. <laughs> we have to grow up in the middle of the drugs and uh, killing people and see how our friends were killed and... It was it was hard. Well, I mean, I'm telling you, just just knowing that, I mean, what a brave woman you are to 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 fight for this. I mean, obviously, it's in your blood and you have a passion for it, right? Mm-hmm. So, where do you think that came from? As far as obviously, your dad had that, but as a family, where where did that ambition come from to help others the way and really selflessly, right? Where you're you're sacrificing a lot for that. I mean, you you've already sacrificed so well, much. I- I grew up in a family, not only my dad, but my mother also was always trying to defend um, low-income workers. Wow. And I grew up under the philosophy and the statement that you you can be successful in life and uh, you can try to carry on those who are not successful with you. like. Not to be successful, you have to take advantage of other people. Right, right, right. right. Um, so it's coming from from my family, and and also I think it's in my blood. Mm. I I think it's I since I was a kid, when I was seeing the farm workers uh, doing the coffee processing, um, like like the process to of the coffee to to get to the sure, final sure, sure. in the farms. Uh, when I saw how hard they work and For how little, little, little they are right. compensated, uh, I start realizing how unfair life is. And I see that there are a small group of people who has a lot and a very huge, big group of people who have very, very little. And I just think that's very unfair. No, I, I couldn't agree more with you. And I think what you're doing is amazing. From the standpoint of really, you know, defend or seeing, I guess, the way that people are treated in, in three different countries, right? You, you started in Colombia, you go to Spain, and now you're in Illinois uh, in the United States. Tell me what the differences you noticed from your efforts here with the experiences you had in these two other countries. You know, how, how, where do you see the similarities and the differences in the way that, uh, mm-hmm. you know, farm migrant workers, but uh, farm workers and also um, landscapers are, are treated here versus in other countries? So the injustice in Colombia is, is huge. And there is a lot of um, uh, advantage of uh, low-income workers. And it's almost impossible to fight on behalf of those workers because you, you will be killed, simple like that. You cannot fight on behalf of those workers. In Spain, there is a lot of immigration uh, from Latin American countries. Really? And a lot of from people from Ecuador and then from Colombia. And they fly over to Spain. Big, who will go to Spain. Interesting. Um, to work there. And we are talking back about 2000. Um, and at that time, the Colombian people didn't need a visa to go to Spain. So, oh, okay. And the Ecuadorians didn't need a visa to go to Spain. So you will see a huge uh, Latin population in that area. So salaries are not the best, uh, working conditions are not the best. 
Here in the United States, you, for your surprise or my surprise, I was thinking that conditions, working conditions were different and more better in this country, but they are not. Fortunately, I, I have seen human labor trafficking, people, sex trafficking. I have seen people who are uh, discriminating because of their age and their gender. And right. I have seen people who are not getting paid for overtime and minimum wage, people who got injured at work and because their immigration status, they, they were told that they do not have any rights. The difference in the United States is that there are laws and there are options for, for that people, and there are organizations like FLAP, like the Farm Worker and Landscape Advocacy Project, Proyecto de Ayuda para Trabajadores del Campo y Jardineros, that allow to bring those guys hope, hope that they didn't have in other, in other um, situations in other countries. Um, so it's, it's good that there are community leaders like myself, executive directors, welling, uh, along with that staff who is very dedicated and a board of directors to fight uh, on behalf of, that, of those workers. Absolutely. And then how do, be, how do people in those situations become aware of what you do? I mean, we talked a little bit about that, right? But as people are listening and, and you know, the injustice is everywhere, and I think it's not just, um, you know, your responsibility, but it's us as a community to say, when I see something, you know, I report it or, you know, I stand up for that. How, how, how can people become aware of what you do and, and really help to, to further that mission to make it available to those who really do need it? Mm-hmm. So the FLAP mission is to improve working conditions in Illinois. And we accomplished that mission doing several things. One is community outreach and education. Under the community outreach and education, we go to the community and we speak with them and we tell them what their rights are. We bring resources, information and resources, and it's how they um, are aware of services like FLAP and all other organizations where we refer them. So if we identify a case, a potential case, then we do litigation and we take that case to, to court. Really? Uh, we also partner with other organizations to fight human labor trafficking. We do information and referrals and we encourage parents who have kids who were born in the United States to get the dual citizenship for those kids as a way to address family separations. So if my kid was born in the United States and maybe have the Mexican citizenship or the Colombian citizenship when I'm going to be deported because I'm undocumented, I can take my kids with me. Oh, I see. But if they do not have the citizenship of my country, the process is more complicated. And probably the, those kids, because they are Americans, um, um, they are going to be placed in a foster home. Oh, wow. When they are placed in a foster home, the American government <laughs> doesn't do a good job keeping right. track where those kids are going. Really? So later on, I want to reunion with my kids. That's not going to be possible because I, I never will know where <sighs> they are. Wow. So we do an intense work encouraging the parents to get the dual citizenship for the kids. And finally, we also provide a financial assistance. So the way the workers know about our services is like this opportunity, for example, is a great opportunity for us to create more awareness about right. the organization. Um, we do a lot of marketing and community hours and education. We have a group of community navigators and uh, outreach staff who is going into the fields, informing the workers about their rights and delivering flyers and information and resources. And of course, we get referrals through other other organizations, including, for example, the Mexican consulate, that we have a very good relationship. And uh, they allow us to go 
to their offices and facilities every day uh, to do community outreach. Wow. What I mean, one of the things you had mentioned is pre-pandemic that you're, you know, a smaller organization. I mean, you're still a small organization, right? And, and, and you're, you're doing a lot. Um, what have you seen really just evolve since you first started to today that uh, you're most proud of uh, as an organization? When I started working for FLAP, I started volunteering for the organization in oh, summer no. 2001. Okay. And it was uh, one attorney who was also volunteering for the organization and myself. And then I become the legal assistant and then the outreach coordinator and then the um, co- uh, director of community outreach and operations and then the executive director of the organization. So we started, when I started, it was just me and the attorney who was volunteering, and then we hired another attorney. And then after that, we hired the first uh, community outreach and education. Um, so before the pandemic, in to, uh, actually in March 2020, we were only four staff. Wow. And uh, today we are 10 staff and five community navigators. So we are a team of 15 people plus consultants uh, who are also helping the organization in different capacities. So the pandemic was a terrible thing, but it was also an opportunity for organizations like FLAP to create more awareness in the community about essential workers and how important they are regardless of their immigration status. Those essential workers who are uh, workers who are in the food industries, in the um, restaurants, in the landscaping, in the who are farm workers, uh, who are doing snow removal, they are in the field and they were in the field when we were working from home, wow. and they were in the field to making making sure that we have food on our tables. Yeah. And this uh, group of people are contributing to the social security uh, benefits, and they never are going to get back those benefits that they are giving uh, to the fund, to the social security um, fund. And we, who are residents or citizens, enjoying the unemployment benefits thanks to those guys. Absolutely. Uh, so we were using those benefits and we were getting the stimulus check and they didn't get it because they weren't undocumented. Right, right. Well, that's unfortunate, but you're doing amazing work and obviously you're making a huge difference, right? So if, if people do want to support or get involved, I mean, I know you started as a volunteer, right? What, what are ways that as people are listening, they think, man, this is, you know, I, I, I I, I can appreciate the injustice and, and you know want to do something about that. How can people participate or help? So that? there are many ways, uh, Tony. So one, for example, is what we are doing today is, is huge for the organization. It's huge because people are going to be more aware of the work that we do. So just telling other people, I know this organization, I know FLAP is helping very low-income workers, that's a start. Second, we are always looking for volunteers to join our board of directors. We are in need of uh, people who, who would like to serve in our board, making decisions for the organization. Uh, we want to hire a development supervisor. We want to hire a finances manager. We want to hire more <clears throat> outreach coordinator. We want to expand our budget. We want to find more foundations. And th- those are decisions made by the board of directors. So. When, when you join the board of directors, you are making a huge difference for the community and helping a lot. 
We are also looking for ways to be connected with more donors who would like to donate money to the organization to be sure that we continue helping those essential workers, low-income workers who other ways won't have the opportunities to succeed in this country and in Illinois. And um, we are looking for more staff, to hire more staff. So if people are interested, can go to our website and look in the jobs section and then apply to the organization. Uh, we are looking for more foundations and just you send me an email or give me a call and tell me, Alexandra, you know this uh, community foundation who maybe you can approach to or you can apply. That's also huge uh, help for the organization. And then if you want to volunteer for the organization in any capacity, like let's say that you have background in finances and you want to take a look to our finances and tell us, like, you need to improve this. or It's important that you pay attention to this here. Or you want to do marketing for the organization. Any any skills that you have um, that be appreciated by the organization of course i mean so many so many ways to help and that's that's amazing um talk to me about the just the vision for for the organization right what's what's the long-term goal what's the plan people sign up for this you know what, what can they expect uh look into the future we are thinking about making the community navigators stronger um our goal, and I don't know if I'm going to be around to see that, but we would like to have one community navigator based in 102 uh, counties in all over Illinois with the idea that it would receive a phone call from Joe Davis, so Cass County, Lee County, um, Alexander County. We have a community navigator based in those counties that can help those workers right away. Uh, it won't take time for us to travel all the way to Alexander County, to Joe Davis, <clears throat> to Cass, to Ogle County, and we just call the community navigator and say, okay, we need you to meet with this group of people and deliver the information. That's one of the goals that we are looking for. Additionally, we are in the process of hiring five more people for the organization that will help with finances and then will help with the development, more people to the outreach team to do a better coverage and working to have a better relationship with other consulates. Uh, we are right now working with the Mexican consulate, but at some point we would like to work with all those Latin consulates who are based here in Chicago. Um, and then expand the organization in terms of the budget. Um, right now we are at $1.8 million organization, and for next year I think we are going to be $2.3 million. Oh, wow. But there are foundations actually calling me, asking if we are able to handle a $5 million grant. Wow. And right now, unfortunately, we do not have the capacity but maybe in two years, uh, we would like to say to those foundations, yes, we do have the capacity, so we are going in that direction and do a better, better coverage in the state of Illinois. Maybe in the future, and it's something that we, as a conversation that the board start having uh, back in February 2020, when we start our strategic planning, um, who knows, maybe expanding to Indiana. There are no resources okay. in Indiana at all. Really? There are no community organizations. There are no attorneys oh, wow. who speak Spanish. So it's huge need of our services there. But of course, we want first to um, have a, a strong foundation in Illinois and, and do those services here before we think about expanding to other um, um, <clears throat> states. No, I mean, it's no secret you're doing great work here. So obviously, if it's needed in another state, it'd be 
amazing to be able to provide that support, I mean, to people, right, to, to human beings. That's really what it's about, regardless of what, what borders divide us. And, you know, if you're out there listening and, and this is tugging at your heartstrings and, you know, you want to volunteer or donate or really just spread the word or, or maybe even join as an employee, right, I would encourage you to reach out to Alexandra. You can do so uh, by filling out the form below that uh, gets to her directly. But, you know, Alexandra, I just can't thank you enough, not, not only for being here, but for, for being you, for, for you know, the, the, the resilience you've had throughout your life. I think you are a, a leader of strength and an example to others that as you go out and do this work, I, I, I couldn't imagine anyone else uh, having more success than you had uh, based on everything you're doing. So just thank you for, for representing the underrepresented. No, thank you. Muchísimas gracias. Thank you so very much for this uh, great opportunity to raise more awareness uh, in the community about the essential workers and the work that FLAP does uh, serving very, very low-income workers in Illinois. Muchas no, gracias. We're grateful. Thank you.